My wife thinks Valentine's Day is a, a, a holiday made up by Hallmark, by the way, so they can make money. So I kind of landed a, a good one there. <laughs> Society is always like, conform. Preach a nice, soft, tender message about love. And I'm like, wow. So I took it to the team. I'm like, I really want to preach about this emotional vampire thing. And I said, what do you guys think about it? And they're like, of course, they're going to preach about vampires on Valentine's Day because that's what we do. Man, Venue Church, if it's your first time here, high fun, high challenge, high reward. We're going to talk about emotional vampires today. You're going to love it. It's going to be hilarious. It's going to be like every time you come to church, you leave feeling like, wow, that hurt a bit, but man, I'm better. I'm better for it. Hey, I got my motorcycle on stage. Yeah, come on. I have my, you know, I have my Valentines, my wife, my daughters. I had a Yamaha and it was, I was great. I was happy with it. And then I saw this. This is a Ducati, like a, a 20th year anniversary uh, monster that Diesel, the clothing brand. Yep, right there. The Italian clothing brand designed this bike to look like a World War II motorcycle or something. And I saw it and I knew it had to be mine. And uh, I'm going to use it for an illustration to show you what it's like when God gets that emotional vampirism out of it and what God can do in a relationship. So I'll, I'll, I'm going to fire it up this morning. And um, I just was looking for some reason to get my motorcycle on stage, if you haven't figured that out yet. So I just, I just needed a day. So, um, you know, it's funny when I got this Ducati, Ducatis are kind of like love. It's a little bit temperamental sometimes. You got to take care of it. And so I talked to John Petka, who, who um, works at Destination Cycles, and I'm like, should I get a Ducati when I had my Yamaha? Should I get a Ducati? And he's like, if you enjoy paying $900 for a $50 part, then you should. And if you enjoy waiting 16 weeks for that part, then you should. It's okay. Don't listen to what the mean man said. Of course I love you. I know you're going to cost me money. I could never be mad at you. Let's never fight. <laughs> hey, a lot of things turn us. I don't think there's a person in the room who doesn't struggle with emotional vampirism sometimes. You wonder why people around you are all buttoned up, wearing crewnecks. You wonder why they're all buttoned up sometimes. Well, because uh, we need to stop biting people's necks. It's only fun for a minute. Um, a lot of things turn us into emotional vampires and that's not what God intended for his sons and his daughters but a lot of things turn us into that you know if you had a rough childhood sometimes we come out of that it's kind of a victim mentality this vampire thing and we realize that whoever is biting is kind of in control and so we do it just to gain back a little bit of control in our lives um, I think that most of the time that, that emotional vampires I think that what turns people into vampires are other vampires I'd watch two vampire movies this week just to, for research. Man, if your mom was an emotional vampire, you're going to be an emotional vampire. And, and I was talking with a great friend of mine last night because I'm like, I'm preaching about vampires. I don't want to hurt everybody's feelings, but I really want God to do something in you because the best gift you can give this Valentine's Day, if you're an emotional vampire, is to get rid of it. And if you can do that, God will cause love to flourish and happiness to flourish in your life. But I was talking with this one of the venue gals, and I'm like, 
tell me how I can approach this. And she's like, I grew up in that home of emotional vampirism. It was a nightmare, just emotional and controlling and manipulative and people using moods all the time. She goes, what was scary was when it's, I started doing it. I hate it, but I was still doing it, you know? And I thought that's a really honest way to look at that. I want you to be free of that because in the house of God, that shouldn't be a thing. And God, I'm going to show you today what it is that that key thing that if we get rid of it, it'll, it'll take care of it for you. And God will do what God needs to do. Thanks, John. My accountability partner and man crush over there. Happy Valentine's Day. Were you, did you think about me this morning? Yeah, you did. Did he come up with that comeback? He's an introvert. Normally it takes him a little while, but I, he had the first service where I was making fun of him too. My wife does this cute thing. When we wake up in the morning, the house hasn't heated up yet. And so uh, we go down and read our version Bible app, which is on your phone. And, and invite your friends to like your stuff in there, by the way. But we go down and we have devotions. And so my wife, because the room is cold, there's only one vent in the whole living room. So she does this thing. It's super cute. She's been doing it for months. She pulls the couch right up to the vent and puts her feet on the vent and then puts a blanket around right there. And finally, this last week, I'm like, finally, I'm like, how are you doing over there? She goes, I'm kind of cold. I'm like, so I'm warming up. I'm like, yeah, I know that you are. Well, you know, the kids come down, they're like wrapped head to toe in blankets. I go get my parka while the house is warming up. And I'm like, you know, there's one vent in the room and it, it belongs to you. And it's like kind of cute. She's like, oh, I never thought of that. I'm like, yeah, I'll bet you never thought of that. She doesn't care. She just wants her legs to be warm. And I'm thinking though, that's what emotional vampirism does though. It, it kind of walks into a room and sucks all the emotion out of it. You ever been in a room with somebody that they were the only ones allowed to feel anything? Meaning... There's this idea, there's only so much love, so I better get some. There's only so much happiness, I better get some. And, and, and I better get some, and I don't care if you don't get it or not. Like, it's cute when it's a heat vent, but it's not cute when it's an emotional vent. You know, but there's this thing in God you have to understand. There's enough happiness for everybody. There's enough love and connection for everybody. And, and so what we're going to do, there's, there's some things that make us react and think like that, that when we get rid of those things, God... Look, emotional vampires don't have a platform for the helicopter of love to land on. So the helicopter just keeps hovering, and you, and you feel unloved, and I feel disconnected. Well, yeah, because I'm biting people. Connection to a vampire only lasts for a few seconds. And it's thrilling. <laughs> but it's not thrilling if, you're, if it's your neck. <laughs> my, my, wife, uh, my wife, my daughter, Arwen who played that terrific drum lick, hey? I don't know, she should, ate sugar cereal this morning or something. Um, she, she has this button that I see every time I go downstairs or a pin or whatever you put on there. And this is what it says, and I want you to think about this during the sermon. It says, always be yourself, and then underneath it, unless you suck. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, okay, emotional vampirism in me. Always be myself, unless I suck. Then I could probably be something different. Can I hear an amen, venue church? <laughs> like, you could stop. With self, you know, this is what God does. When you come into the family of God, God's like son, son of God, daughter of God. That's great. He's like, identify with this though. Yeah. Don't identify with being a vampire anymore. And what, what, what we do when we become vampires is we're like, hey, this is just who I am. And the other person is like, but I love you, but I don't know if I like you when you're yeah. biting me all the time. Why don't we identify with this over here? Why don't, why don't, just give me a minute. It's going to be great. 
Um, so emotional vampires are people who think your full-time job is to make them happy. Here, we were talking last week. Hey, carry this giant rock. It's called make me happy. And if I'm not happy, you're not doing something right. So let's fix you. But the scriptures say that happiness don't come from other people. You ready? They say happiness don't, don't come from your circumstance. Statistically, 10% of your happiness comes from your circumstance. And you're spending all your time trying to get your circumstance, trying to get your husband, trying to get your finder, trying to get everything lined up in the way that you think will make you happy. But only 10% of human happiness comes from that. This is where the scriptures say that it comes from. Psalm 144, joyful indeed are those whose God is the Lord. What do you mean? If God's not Lord of an area of your heart or your mind, it won't be joyful. The more that Jesus is Lord, the more joyful you will be. Okay, we can do this. Psalm 37, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desire. But this is what we want. We want God to give us our heart's desire so we can be happy. But God's like, no, that's a byproduct. This is what he's saying. Take delight. Meaning it's your job to connect with him so that he can. That's a byproduct. Give you, so that he can, ready, make you happy. So that when he gives you something, it lands in a good space. But happiness doesn't come after the gift. Right? Um, how about this? Romans. I pray that God, the source of hope. What do you mean? You've been going to your kids to get it. Have you seen your kids? God, the, not, my, not my date. God, the source of hope. Not them. They, they don't have hope. <laughs> Will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Meaning, if you're going to them to get it, you're going to lack peace. You're going to lack joy. You're going to lack hope. Psalm 16, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. Catch the proximity. And if he's right beside you, he says, no wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety. So the further you get from God, the less happy you will be. You know people, they spend their whole lives trying to get stuff or get the perfect relationship. or They're always trying to trade up, like I traded my bike up. I was trying to trade up and find happiness. That's not where happiness comes from. It comes from proximity to the Lord. You think, like, but pastor, I get, I get happiness from other things. You know, like ice cream. <laughs> You're not fasting anymore. Come on. Don't even act like it. Hamburgers make me happy. You know, but we do this funny thing with, you know, even with ice cream. We do this funny thing where we start looking at ice cream and... We start looking at ice cream and we're like, hey, ice cream, it's your job to make me happy. What do you mean it's your job? To, no, it's ice cream's job. You ready? To be ice cream. It's not your teenager's job to make you happy. It's their job to be a teenager. It's not your spouse's job to make you happy. But this is where we get confused. Like, we have some new babies in the church. And I love these babies. I, I wouldn't want to parent them right now. I'm too old. I'm tired. But I love them. I'm just like, hey, babe, I love babies. They're so, like, awesome. But careful moms and dads that you don't start looking to them and it's like, hey, I feel happy when I'm around you. Therefore, it must be your job to make me that way. 
No, it's their job to be a baby. And uh, we get confused when we confuse the gift with the giver of the gift. Because happiness doesn't come from the gift, it comes from the giver. And God might have created ice cream. God made babies and gave you a gift. God made a relationship and gave you a gift that might make you happy. But you have to be very careful that you don't start looking at them. Because them being your idol will not connect you with happiness for very long. And um, every good and perfect gift comes from God. You have to look to the source and be like, right, that's where it comes from. That's why I'm not happy because I'm not connected. How do Paul and Silas in jail with their backs torn open at midnight sing psalms and hymns to God? How did they do that? How were they joyful? Because they were connected. Um, did you know that, that, here's the thing. Did you know that your body releases chemicals when you help people? They make you happy, the chemicals do. Now, you and I spend all of our time, when we get vampirish, we spend all of our time trying to drain the life of somebody else to make us happy. We try to get them to connect to us. But how many people know, here's what purpose is in this world. Your purpose is twofold. We built this church around it. Connect with God and connect with people. And then we say this. The road to that is when you, your purpose can only be found when you help somebody else find their purpose. So I want to connect with God and people, and I can't do that until I help you connect with God and people. When I do that, this happens for me, happiness comes. And when you do that, God even designed your body to make you happy when you help. But what you're trying to do and what I'm trying to do is we're trying to get the other person to serve us. And then we want to be happy. And your body's like, I wasn't made like this. I get happy when I help. I don't get happy when I am helped. It might make you feel important, but it doesn't make you happy. Listen, listen, vampires, have anybody seen one of those like tandem bikes? Those like weird ones? Anybody been on one of those? I would never be on one of those bikes. Kind of creepy, I think. When you're in a relationship at work or anywhere with an emotional vampire, they're the ones who want to steer it and they, they want you to pedal. Because they think they know where the land of happiness is. And when I get weird with my wife, I get to this place where I'm like, just do everything that I want because I know where this thing needs to go. Well, she's trying to do the same thing. So we're climbing on this weird tandem bike. And 2020 was the year that we paddled, we paddled uphill in 2020. We found out how much we disliked each other because we had to see each other. Oh, don't at I'll call you out right here. I'll call out your spouse right here. It was, a, I'm just kidding, but we found out, you know, I revealed the cracks in the pavement. Then we found out, wait, 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 I'm more vampirous than I think I am. I want you to do all the pedal and I want to do all the steering because I think I know where we need to go. And God's like, no, you don't. Let me show you what it's like when you plug your relationship into Christ. When you plug it into something that actually has an engine that pushes it. Look, you'll never get to the place that God wants you. There's too much of this self-sufficient garbage going on right now. Oh, there's enough inside of you. You just got to find your inner whatever. And God's like, no, I want you to, you're trying to go two miles. I want you to go 200 miles and you're never going to get there. This is my destiny for sons and daughters. You can't get there with your tiny little spouse's legs. No, this is what God wants for you. You ready? Oh yeah. Now stay up. It's not, I didn't want to gas everybody out here. I do a little. This is the difference. They're just blowing smoke. You think it's carbon monoxide, but it's not. We just wanted to trick you. This is the difference. 
That'll take you 200 miles. When God gets in it, anything is possible. You can go the distance in your relationships. You can get there and you can get to places you can't even imagine. But you and I, we tend to, we tend to um, think that we're going to go further uh, in a short period of time. We, we, we overestimate what can be done in a short period of time and we underestimate what God could do in a long period of time. And so, so what we need to do is we need to understand that, that riding this is very different because God's like, the engine is mine and, and the steering is mine. So what your relationships need to do is get on board and go wherever he wants you to. My, my wife, we went to, to Cochrane in the summer and my wife was riding behind me for the first time. And how many people know, like, I should have coached her a little bit more. And Quinn, who, who started the pace, was going pretty quick. And we had to, like, boot it to catch up, you know. And we're going down these little twisty roads on the back road to Cochrane where we end up riding our bikes all the time. And my wife's on the back. And we're coming into this corner real quick. And I got to lean down a bit. And she, in the middle of the lean, starts pulling out. Because it, it's scary, right? And we finally get there, and I'm like, baby, you got to understand. When the bike leans, you got to lean. Because if you try to lean out of a curve, you're going to hit the ditch at 100 miles an hour. Uh, we're 100K an hour. You don't want to hit the ditch in your relationship going that speed because you pull out of corners. Now, if you don't trust God, you won't be happy enough. You won't be relaxed enough to lean into corners. Sometimes, like, conflict in home is just leaning into a corner. And God's like, hey, I got to take it over here, guys. And, and we get so afraid that we start leaning out of the corner and we start trying to grab the steering wheel. And slow it down so that we're comfortable. But God's like, no, no, we can take this at speed. Just let me do the driving and get on board and just let it go. Now, now, let me talk because if you came from if you came from a family that emotional vampirism, which means how do I say this? You came from people trying to control the mood in a room. Is that a good way to say that? Maybe. Like somebody wants to control the mood in the room. Somebody wants to decide for everybody how they're going to feel. You know, emotional vampires, like misery is just not enough if there's only one of them there. <laughs> hey, man, they're miserable. Everybody got to be miserable. Um, my, my mom's side of the family, she'd tell you, you know, uh, her mom was pretty solid, but, but her dad was Irish. need to say anything else maybe a little unstable maybe fired up and she grew up in an emotionally charged and here's how I want you to think about this an emotionally driven home look you can be an emotional person and not be emotionally driven and when God has an emotionally driven you know you get birthed into Christ but that doesn't change how you think and how you feel and if you grew up in a home with with vampires like my mom did you know God will often send you somebody who's more principle-driven, because that's where he wants to get you. Principle-driven. You can be emotional. There's nothing wrong with emotion. But being emotionally driven is completely different. Emotionally driven on a road is terrifying, because you got to go wherever the road goes. And so, so principle, so my dad was more, his family was more principled-driven. And God will sometimes send an emotionally-driven person who comes out of that, that charged atmosphere and that um, manipulative, moody, you know what I'm talking about, Man, and when you, start, when you start seeing that in yourself, you hate it. But sooner or later, you ask everybody to accept it. Because at least it leaves you with a feeling of control. God doesn't want you to have control in relationships. He wants to take control because he's the only one who can get you there. 
And so God, God sends my, my dad to my mom and my dad, how many people know that principle driven people got tough necks? <laughs> God will send you somebody that you'd be biting. You're like, well, this normally works. <laughs> and then just sit there and be like, my dad used to, mom used to get all worked up and slam cupboard doors in the kitchen trying to get him to fight about something. And dad would just sit there and be like, I don't, I don't see what you get out of that. And then she'd go like, bad cop, bad cop. And he would just sit there and be like, well, now I got to get my tools out. I'm just like, God will put you next to somebody who's driven by principles. Who's like, it's <laughs> super annoying. <laughs> who's just like, well, if you're upset about something, why don't we just talk about it? Well, I don't. I don't know, people, people who are principle-driven don't like being yelled at all that much. I remember somebody yelling at me one time for like a half an hour from one of my kids, and I'm like, what's happening? I still don't know what it was about. I just sat there the whole time like, like, did I miss something? Am I on camera right now? Well, it depends, because here's the deal. Here's the deal, emotional vampires. Healthy people won't hang out with you for very long. Only unhealthy people hang out with healthy, with unhealthy people. And sooner or later, they're just going to get tired of this like drama, this production, this thing that is everybody around you is buttoned up all the time because they don't, they're tired of getting bit in the neck. And so, um, so this is what happened in my, now, now my aunt Ethel and my, and my dad's side of the family. Now my grandma, here's what I would say. And I was her favorite. I can say whatever I want. My grandma got kind of, as she got older, weird and religious and gossipy, and she became an emotional vampire. You could tell there was just a lack of connection with her and people and with her and God. But when religious people get weird, they get really weird because they think that God is like them. Do you think that God is some giant vampire telling them to bite people? It gets really weird. Okay, it just gets really weird. And so, like, they honestly think that God is on their team and God is telling them to, like, lash out and get weird and gossipy. And it's just weird. And so my grandma would get this way and my Aunt Ethel and talking to her because my dad's family is so solid, right? My Aunt Ethel said to me one time, give me permission today. Because after today, you don't have to be the same way as you came in here. You don't, you don't ever have to go back and do this thing again. Give me Aunt Ethel permission, because this is what she would say. Because people with tough necks, ready? People who care more about what God thinks and what, about what you think. People who care more about what God feels than what you feel. If what you feel in, in right. This is what she said. She goes, Mom, she goes, I love you, but I don't like you when you're like this. You want people to like you when you're a vampire? Why do you like you when you're a vampire? You shouldn't like that. Do you think God likes emotional vampires? Like, no, for reals. Do you think God likes sin? No, he hates it. He loves you, but he loves the you that he created. He doesn't love you that the devil is creating. This is the one he likes. He picked this one. He's like, why don't you come over here? Instead of getting everybody to try to love this. Why do you, do you love that? Well, let's stop it. This is what my aunt Ethel, mom, I love you, but I don't like you like this. I'm going to, I'm going to call back in, in five minutes and you're going to be different. Click. For reals. Five minutes later. Hey mom. And wouldn't you know it? She was different. Some of y'all got emotional vampires and you, you call them your kids. Hey, if you want to throw you know what my dad did if I throw a fit in the middle of the floor? walk around it. 
you throw in a fit for? If you need attention, just get it like anybody else. We just ask for it. Well, I shouldn't have to. And I'm like, no, you want to talk to my dad? Talk like a normal person. You don't need to get yelled at for something that you're upset about. If you want to talk about an issue, talk about an issue. But don't bite for the last 30 issues. Just talk about this one. Can you imagine how much drama would come out of your life and you could actually solve an issue and move on to the next one? Instead of like always being stuck in the same issue, constantly, constantly, constantly. Just imagine like working on an issue and being done with it and being like, okay, now that we learned this and we moved on and it's powerful. Um, okay, this is what you got to preach to your vampire self. You ready? You got to preach it to yourself because vampires are always preaching other people. Okay, but if somebody who comes to you is an emotional vampire, this is what you got to preach. Are right, you ready? You got to be clear. Crystal clear because it, the water gets real muddy. Uh, crystal clear. Like, hey, no, I, I would love to talk about this issue, but I'm not talking about everything else. And I'm not going to stay here if you're ready. Be clear. Be fair. Be fair. Look, are you trying to get control? You can be quiet and try to get control. There's lots of passive-aggressive vampires. Stubborn. You don't respond when people say something to you. Oh, that's painful. That's withholding. Did you like it when your dad withheld from you? Oh, you don't have to be like that. Be clear, be fair, keep your word, which means you can't threaten people anymore. Keep your word. Like, Neela, if you don't clean up your room, I'm gonna break both your legs. Am I gonna break both their legs? No, absolutely not. Don't, we just say stuff out here just to get a reaction sometimes. You're not gonna do that. Say what you mean, say if, nobody else has kids here with dirt, messy rooms, yeah, whatever. Keep your word, don't lose your cool. If you lose your cool, you lose your authority. Don't lose your cool. Stay on target, stay on the issue. Now, and if they wanna get bitey, you ready? If they wanna get bitey, leave. My dad's not gonna stay there while my mom was young and crazy. Now, God bless my mom for working hard and letting the Holy Spirit redeem her life. But dad's not going to stay in the room and just get yelled at all the time. I don't need this. Walk away. Go for a run. Call your accountability partner. Call your accountability partner and be like, hey, this is what happened. What should I do? Because here's how we train accountability partners in Venue Church. Every man needs one. Every woman needs one. Every kid needs one. This is what we say. I don't want to hear you complain about your spouse. Why don't you tell me what you think happened and I'll pray. And then I'll tell you what God says for me to tell you to do. Well, it's not my fault. It's not my click. I'll call back in five minutes when you want to fix you. Because I'm not their accountability partner. I'm your accountability. Hey, call. and if you won't call your accountability partner, it's your fault. I already know. I already know. If I offer to talk to you about something and you want to talk about it, I already know it's your fault. My kids are fighting. Hey, I want to talk to you about this. I don't want to talk about it. Not rocket science, everybody. Listen, your husband might be the devil, but you're 10% devil. Let's talk about that. Come on. Well, let's talk about your piece of the pie. Because if you won't own anything, it doesn't matter. They could be Jesus and you'd still hate them. All right, that's powerful. All right, here's our, here's our emotional vampire litmus test. Because if there's one thing I know about emotional vampires is that we do not see ourselves in a mirror. You cannot see a vampire in a mirror. Says vampire shows, <laughs> which are based in the not Bible. Here, here's a litmus test. You ready? 
Two things in a litmus test. The first one, you ready? It's going to shock you if it's you. And it's going to be a little bit you. Ready? Who are your first thoughts about in the morning? The minute you wake up, who are you, who are you thinking about? If it's you, you're an emotional vampire. You're not here to think about you. You're not. Jesus didn't wake up every morning thinking about himself. That would make him selfish. He woke up every morning thinking about you. He woke up every morning thinking about his disciples. He woke up every morning thinking about God, his heavenly father. If you wake up every morning, I just need to like, here goes the cold water. Thinking about you, 95% of the time with your conscious thought, you are 100% motivated. Every other decision you make is 100% unconsciously your motivation is you getting what you want. Thinking about you and how you feel all the time. Man, do you know your life can only be this small when you wake up thinking about yourself? Hey, we got to get it out here. Here's number two. When you walk into a room, do you take their emotional temperature or do you take yours? I'm going to change that. You know, I'm going to change that right now. Look, when I w look at your eyes, I can tell how you're doing. You know why you care about you all the time? Because you've never looked anybody in the eye and see how they're feeling. The words that you say, man, if you'd actually have to look in there and feel what they're feeling when you say what you say sometimes, but you won't, you just keep, you just say the next thing. You just say the next thing. Engage. Your life is not supposed to be about your emotions and your feelings. Here's what I should have said with this, you know, the whole emotional temperature thing. Do you obsess how you should treat them or how they should treat you? That'll tell you. Do you obsess about how you treat other people? God, did I do this right? Did I? The self-questioning, like, uh, I don't trust myself here, God. Did I treat, maybe I could have, as opposed to, God, they, they should have, they. Look, if you want to help you, God can't. Your life will be small. You'll only get what you can suck. That's it. You'll only get a sense of power in the moment that you bite. But you won't get actual blood in your veins. This is gross. All right. <laughs> Now I'm going to preach about King Saul. King Saul was Israel's first king that the people chose. And God did choose and anointed King Saul. David took over from King Saul. But King Saul was an emotional vampire. He was just not happy. You know, some of us were like, well, if I'd get this Ducati, you'd be happy. No, you wouldn't. Because you're not happy now. Well, God, if you'd give me a baby, I'd be happy. And I'm like, Maybe. 1% of the time. The rest are horrible adventures. Man, God, if I could just marry somebody, then I wouldn't struggle with... Oh my goodness, people are so dumb. I wouldn't struggle with. Saul's like, when I'll be king, then I'll be happy. When I have control, when I have a bodyguard, when I have... A, when I have, when I have nobody wasn't happy before, why would he be happy afterwards? And then, then you take all the gifts and you look at them and you're like, hey, make me happy. But, and so, so Saul is an emotional vampire... And God sends David, who's got a tough neck. David is principle-driven. Saul is emotionally driven. Um, David, therefore, departed from there, escaped to the cave of Adullam. His brothers and all his father's house heard it. They went down to him, there to him. And see, David is running from Saul now because David kills... God sends... God will send you a David to kill your Goliath. And then he kills your Goliath. And then you look at him. And, and um, he starts winning wars against the Philistines. David did. God sent Saul a powerhouse, a grenade launcher. He sends you a gift and a person to show you a better life and to do for you what you could never do, to do something in your family 
And then Saul looks at him and he says, oh, now he wants the throne. You know, emotional vampires, when you fight in an argument, yeah, what you say is true, but it's not true of them. It's true of, you just get there first. Come on. You just, you're yelling at me. And the other person's like, your kid's like, And so God sends David and then, then Saul starts, he leaves the battle to make his people safe and he starts fighting David and he starts trying to kill David. It says everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt and everyone who was discontented gathered to David. So he became captain over them and there were about 400 men with him. Now David has an anointing to kill a vampire because God sends him 400 people. And I'm, if I'm David, I'm like, God, can you send me people who have money? Who paid their taxes? Who aren't criminals? And God sends 400 people who need rehabilitation to David. The spirit of God in David turns them into the captains of, get this, get this. In David's lifetime, 1.5 million people were in his army. And these are the 400 guys who did it. It doesn't matter where you started. It doesn't matter who you are right now. It doesn't matter that every, every word I'm preaching to you right now is driving you crazy. And you're angry at me. I don't care. I got a thick neck. And so did David. And God wants to take you from this pitiful place that you're in right now and make you into a son or daughter of heaven with armor, a captain for the Lord. It says, when Saul heard that David and his men, let's watch Saul now, because this is what you are and this is not what you're going to be when you leave. When Saul heard that David and the men who were with him had been discovered, it says he was staying under a tree with his spear in his hand and all his servants standing around him. Then Saul said to his servants who stood about him, Here now, you Benjamites, will the son of Jesse, uh, David, give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? Watch this. First of all, Saul is losing the support of Israel. Because the Benjamites were his cousins and his uncles, and they were his family, his tribe. Now, if you want to be an emotional vampire, you will lose support. People don't like being bitten all the time. Oh my goodness. You okay? <laughs> Scott, we need a new one of those. <laughs> and what, what, what happened is he's starting to lose his support. And then he starts taking cheap shots at the gift that God sent him to beat back the enemies of the Israelites who are brutalizing him. He sends him a gift called David. And he starts taking pot shots at David. How many people know? Listen, you don't need to tear somebody down for God to promote you. Stop it. If you're a son or daughter of God, he has promotions planned for you, but he's got to get your character lined up first. Don't tear somebody down because if you tear somebody down to get their promotion, you're going to have to do that to keep it. That's not a life you want to live. And he says this, Saul, he gets so weird in his head. All of you have conspired against me. All of you, he's talking to the guys that were actually loyal to him. All of you have conspired against me. Vampires, you go around protecting your neck because you're doing all the biting. And you think everybody does, but they don't. They don't. You can trust people. You can trust the people God sends you. You've conspired against me. There's no one who reveals to me that my son made a covenant with the, the son of Jesse. Jonathan, the prince, did. He, he says to David, I know that you're going to be king next. My dad knows it. Everybody knows it. Can I help you? Oh, can I st still be a prince? But if not, whatever, you could be king. I just want to help, man. I, just, I love what God is doing through your life. But Saul just couldn't handle it. He says, there's not one of you who is, ready? Sorry for me. That's it, isn't it? 
Then not one of you who is sorry for me or reveals to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait as it is this day. Jonathan didn't stir up David against him. Saul stirred himself up against David. David was running and hiding. He wasn't lying in wait to ambush. You feel, look, emotional. are you tired of feeling ambushed all the time? No, ain't nobody lying away for you. Relax. They're hiding from you. They don't like their necks getting bitten. They're scared of you. They're going to walk around eggshells on you all the time. It's not fun. Here's one thing that I want you to give up. While we sing this next song, go get prayer. There's one thing you got to give up, and it'll destroy that vampire thing. You got to give up self-pity. You got to give it up. You got to let it go. Well, pastor, I've been hurt. Have you not figured out everybody's been hurt yet? I think some of the people who've been hurt the most become the best. But they'll never do it with a victim mentality. They'll never do it as long as they think that they're at the bottom. And they're, they're the tail and not the head that God said. That you, they'll never do it as long as they identify with the devil and don't identify with the... Do you think that God felt pity for Jesus hanging on a cross? Think about it. If he did, he couldn't have put him there. God does not feel sorry for sons and daughters of God who get everything. Who, who have the inheritance tapped into the power of the Holy Ghost that raised Jesus from the dead. Why would he feel sorry for you? He doesn't feel sorry for you at all, I don't, I don't think. I think he... This is a difference between pity and compassion. This is how I'm thinking about it. You know what pity does? If Layden's addicted to something, pity will hold his hand and be like, you poor thing. Because that's what you want to hear when you have self, oh, you poor thing. You know what compassion does? It takes his hand and if he's addicted, gets him into rehab. It takes a crippled man's hand and, and says, rise and walk. Pack up your bed, let's go. We got stuff to do. It talks to the blind man. It rubs mud on his eyes and says, hey, go wash this off and you'll be able to see. Then follow me. It says to the leper, like, hey, go present yourself to the priest so that you can serve me cleanly and holy. Compassion changes a person's everything by the power of God. Now, now, listen, listen. Question. If God would heal you of your crippled state, if God would heal your past right now, if God would heal you and you could run freer, would you use that? Would, you, would he actually be enabling you? You ready? to bite more people. Somebody today is gonna to trade their fangs for their healing. But some of your healing has waited until this day because if you wanna feel sorry for yourself, God can't heal you. And you're gonna trade your fangs in the prayer corner, you're gonna trade in the song that we sing called Whole Heart, you're gonna trade your fangs for your healing and God is gonna do a work in your life and it will be the best Valentine's Day present you give to somebody someday.